0: Welcome to Blackbird episode number 80. My name is James and this is the second Sunday live stream. Um, Today my guest is another Chicagoite, John Hartman. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. So, um, good morning, first of all, this is yeah. a weekend morning. So we're, uh, we're both probably a little groggy from whatever we were doing last night. Thanks for getting up for me. No problem. <laughs> I got kids,
1: so there's no <laughs> such thing as, you know, 1030. I'm, I'm wide awake by now. Oh, good. man.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a night owl, man. I was up past midnight last night. Actually, I've been up past midnight. It seems like every night for the last... Couple of weeks at least, because I know, like, I've been playing Wordle. Have you heard of Wordle? Yeah. yeah. Are you playing? Uh, I I kind of checked
1: it out for a couple of days, and like, I was like, uh, this can be very addicting. I'm going to stop right now.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely the situation I'm in right now. I've been playing it, and I like as soon as the clock hits like 12:02 or whatever, I just refresh the tab because I just always keep it open, and uh, and play that day's word. So that's that's how I know I've been up past midnight. And I said another Chicago way. LB, of course, was my guest last week and he is also from there. And actually, I think you said that you and LB have actually never met in person, right?
1: No, yeah. I, I think uh months ago we kind of said that we should and it just hasn't happened yeah. yet. Uh, but I mean okay. we're so well, close, it's it's gotta
0: happen. Yeah, I know. Well I I'm I'm just a few hours away. So if it doesn't happen, you know, before the summer or so, I'm gonna come down there and like, you know, force a little meetup between those of us in sort of this community whatever we whatever we want to call it the post libertarian moment or whatever it is i thought that we had met in like the tom woods facebook group which is uh, like i i obviously i i love tom woods and i love his group but it is full of pretty much normie sort of uh buttoned up libertarians but as it turns out you actually were in the part of the problem group is that right
1: yeah that's totally right okay. i me? remember seeing you I, in there but i don't think we ever i mean we barely interacted i
0: think you know yeah. Uh, if we did, we might have butt heads. Were you I wish I could I wish I could remember like what I was like pre-pandemic. Like it's so weird that my sort of outlook and worldview have changed so much and I can't remember what it was like. It's almost like when I moved from the like anti-war left into this more kind of Ron Paul libertarian thing. I can't even make the left's arguments for him anymore. I I just don't remember what I was thinking back then, which is probably a flaw, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it could be, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you remember sort of what your evolution has been over the last few years? Over the last few years? Yeah. So I, uh. Or forever? I don't know. I could tell you forever, actually.
1: I grew up, you know, I grew up in Chicago, yeah, let's do it. like a blue collar working class family, you know, like you don't, mm-hmm. you're, you're a Democrat just because, you know, everybody is. And my grandfather was a teamster. My dad works for a city. You know, all of us are in the trades. I'm a plumber. <laughs> And we all, you know, you're just kind of born into blue dog Democrat, machine Democrat, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, for the longest time, I didn't really pay attention to the, you know, politics. Um, like when I was growing up, you know, in high school I did. You know, I was, I was in high school when, you know, September 11th happened. I think I was a sophomore, maybe. Yeah, I think a sophomore. Um, and, you know, I remember kind of like really starting to pay attention. Like, oh, shit. Like there's a world outside of my world, you know? And, uh, I started paying attention and I was kind of more like anti-war left as well. And I started paying attention to, you know, just all the, all the lies that were being told and everything. And I'm like, okay, so something's not right here. You know? And I, and that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me. But then as I started getting older, I started noticing like, well, I'm not really like the rest of these people. You know, there's things that I believe that like, I can't say out loud to them, (laughs) you know? Um, and then it was actually probably about a year or maybe not even a full year after I got married. My wife, we were in the kitchen once. I'll never forget it. We we're in the kitchen and we we're getting ready to eat dinner. And she tells me, she's like, will you just admit you're a Republican already? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not a Republican. You know, that I took I, I took offense to that. I'm like, it's bullshit. Like, how can you say such a thing to me, you know? But then I, I that night when she went to bed, like I, I went on... I went on the internet and I'm like, what is a Republican? <laughs> you know, cause I didn't even, yeah. I knew what the caricature of it was, but I didn't know what, what it really was, you know? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm a Republican. You know, this whole time, like, that's what I am. I'm a Republican that believes in not having wars, which is kind of weird. But, you know, I ran for, or I tried to run for a uh, state rep here in, in Illinois on the, on the Republican <laughs> ticket back in 2012. That's when I like really hit, you know, politics hard. Mm like really hard, you know, I was going to like all the events I was at, you know, at the time Bruce Rauner was running for governor in Illinois. I was going to all the events that him and all his, you know, at the, at the time when it was a primary, I was going in and, you know, speaking at all the same stuff that he was. I met a lot of people in the Illinois Republican party and that kind of thing. You know, I go to like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Medved. Have you ever I heard of him? Yeah. He's, you know, one of those, he's like a Dennis Prager, you know, kind of. I I went to all kinds of events with them, and you know, I I started like butting heads with them because, like, there were so many things that I was more left leaning on, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, I'm clearly not a Republican either, (laughs) you know. I'm like, what the hell am I? And then by chance, I started listening to Dave Smith. It was part of the problem. I heard him Mm -hmm. on I think Bobby Kelly's podcast, or it might have been Lewis on on Bobby Kelly's podcast. But anyway, it went like from you know one podcast to the next to ending up at part of the problem you know and uh i was like yeah this is this is what it is this is what i've been looking for you know um but then i had problems with things like the nap um and you know other aspects and i'm like well this isn't really it either you know so like i i wouldn't i i i wouldn't ever have consi- like i would tell people that i was a libertarian just because it was easier to say that than you know try to explain everything that i was but i never really like felt like I was like a full-fledged libertarian if you can even define such a thing. You know, and then as as time went on I'm like, you know, I I I kind of feel like I can take from everyone. Like I like this, I like that, I like this. You know, what I, I'm more of like an issues kind of person now than than really anything else. Um like I I won't put a label on myself anymore. It's just it's stupid to to me. You know, I mean even when you know I, I'm not I people don't realize that I'm in like the group with like all the post-libertarians, you know, um, I guess I identify more with them than anything, but I wouldn't even call myself a post-libertarian because there's things that I disagree with them on as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, like LB is always kind of harping on, it's not the, the post-libertarian is more like a movement or more of a moment than a movement. There's not really like a cohesive philosophy there. I think it's just sort of an identification that libertarianism, while maybe philosoph- philosophically complete is practically unworkable just because there's so few people who, who share the, the sort of values of liberty. When, when you say liberty to one person, they're going to think like, oh yeah, if I have the liberty to go to the hospital and how to pay for it, that would be great. You know? And then you tell them, well, uh, we, 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 don't want universal health Uh, they, they think of us as monsters or whatever. So, um, yeah. I think it's just a recognition of, of that kind of sort of human trait to want free stuff or at least what they think is free. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: you're always, no matter what it is, you're always trying to travel the path of least resistance, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think with a lot of people, when they hear free this, free that, that's the path of least resistance, you know? And, but it's not, (laughs) you know, it's, and then that goes into like the time, time preference type, Mm -hmm. type stuff where it's like, yes, it is right now, but it's not always going to be. And it might be the, the path of least resistance now for you, um, but it, it might not be for your kids or even later in your life, you know, it, but it's trying to explain that to people and be like, hey, you know what, how about you light a fire in your ass and, and take care of yourself a little bit? You know, yeah. I think my problem is like I I understand that there's people that don't that can't take care of themselves, you know, so I think that was one of the things that I never went like full blown and cap because like, what do they do? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe government things is a good thing for them, but not in the current way that it is.
0: Start a charity, bro.
1: Well, yeah, (laughs) you know, you can, um, but then you have, you know, all kinds of problems even with that, you know? Uh,
0: so you mentioned that you kind of grew up in generations of blue collar families. I'm sort of the opposite. I, my dad was a business executive, uh, a self-made business executive, but like my grandfather on my mom's side, also another sort of self-made Guy, but still, like I, I wasn't exposed to blue collar lifestyles. I've never, I, I don't think I ever met a union member until I was an adult. To be honest, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's completely different. So, like when I when I see these trucker protests, for instance, in Canada, my first instinct is like, this is never going to work. You know, I mean Trudeau's going to start locking people up before he admits that you know they're right. What do you think of that? Because uh, our mutual friend, Tommy Salmons, came back with, no, man, these are truckers. They're, they'll, they'll, they'll get locked up before they start acquiescing to the government's demands. Um, and sure, I mean, we've got Tommy, we've got Reed, we've got uh, Gord, who I love and who's actually on the ground there. Um, but that's just three people. Do you, I mean, what, what's your beat on this kind of thing where these sort of manly men are actually standing up and, and getting political rather than just keeping their nose to the ground and doing their jobs? Well, I see utility in both.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a society that's functioning right now, so like I wouldn't fault anybody for putting their head down and doing what they have to do, not only for themselves but just to keep the ball rolling in society. You know, but I I, I think there's more utility right now in the convoy and in people expressing it because it, if you're noticing, it seems like it's more and more people that are like you know standing out on the on the street corners and you know lining the streets you know cheering these guys on. So it's not just the, it's not just the truckers, you know, but it took the truckers to get those people out there. Up until this point, you have all these people that are like kind of quietly amongst themselves being like, yeah, this is bullshit. Or like, you know, you have a group over here that wants to do something, but no one's doing anything. And a lot of times it only takes that one, that one kind of situation where you're like, okay, you know, there's enough people here. Now I can do it. I mean, this is what happens with everything, right? You know, most people don't think for themselves or they do, but they don't. Want to suffer the consequences, so they pretend like they don't, you know. And I, I think with the with the truckers, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing them actually putting in the work to do the thing that everybody else wants to do, and it's giving everybody more courage to, you know, at least stand out there and cheer them on. I don't know if it'll work, though. I think I, I honestly I don't know if it'll work. I don't know which way it's going to turn. I hope it's going to turn positively. No one's covering it. The media's not covering it. I mean, I would I don't know if like you ask the average normie here, like in the States, if they even know what the hell's going on up there. And if they do, what talking points are they gonna parrot at you as a result? So I, I don't know that like it's gonna be, you know, this big like cry for freedom that everyone
0: thinks it is, but I, I sure hope it is. We've been talking about it in the Minnesota family group chat that I've been. My Texas family, like my biological family. They haven't talked about it. They're talking about a Trump rally that's happening in Houston, which is completely irrelevant right now. But my Minnesota family, the like my partner's family, basically, they're all over it, which is really cool. At least some people are, are it's slipping through the cracks to some people. I saw, I saw a news article this morning, though, um, from the Toronto Star, I think, talking about how they defaced a statue, which, oh my God, imagine protesters defacing a statue. <laughs> yeah. but what they, I mean, they didn't even deface it. They they like put a Canadian flag around the statue's neck like a cape, and put a hat on it on his head and stuff like that. Like it, what they didn't they didn't tag it or anything like that. Right. Um, the Canadian media anyway is reporting it, but of course they're reporting it from from their angle. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, the God, the Canadian media. I, I have a VPN that I, I I generally connect to servers in Canada uh, because crypto trading is a little bit looser up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> so Twitter always thinks I'm in Canada and. Their media throughout COVID and everything has just been awful. They're just a propaganda arm. I mean, like they, they don't even they don't even hide it. They there was another news article this past week talking about how the the truckers were protesting road conditions in British Columbia. Like, like that's what the purpose of this convoy was.
1: Yeah, that's like that's insane. ridiculous.
0: That's completely <laughs> that's like a hundred percent propaganda. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. Let's just misinform the shit out of people so that they don't come and watch our heads roll. You know.
0: So switching gears real quick, I noticed behind you, you have this artwork in your background. I'm not sure if that's your actual wall behind you or if it's like a virtual background, but talk about that for a little bit. Okay.
1: So yeah, no, these are, this is all, this is an actual wall and this is all my art that I've been painting over the last, I don't know, five or six months. It's kind of a new medium for me. I've always done this kind of stuff. I don't know even what you would call it. I call it abstract or eclectic art. What it is is just like this one behind me right here, the red one. That's actually, it was cool because I don't know, did you watch that episode of uh, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan
0: recently? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, Although, so there's a did he part... show up in a tuxedo? Yeah. <laughs> just it, does, he, does, he, does, he, does he address why the hell he's wearing a tuxedo? That's so weird to me. Nope, <laughs> I've only just, seen
1: memes. Just put a tuxedo on and talk to Joe Rogan for four and a half hours. <laughs> um, but in in that conversation, he he referred to uh, a Eliad, who wrote a lot about like the history of religions, and he wrote a book called Shamanism. And Jordan kind of talked about that, and that's actually what this is. Um, it's it's a shaman that's being initiated by you know the spirits of old shamans. I don't know if you want me to go into like detail or anything, but essentially,
0: absolutely, like, I want you to go into detail. We've got another hour, so
1: oh, cool. Let's, so this is <laughs> like let's get as detailed as
0: possible. This is <laughs> right. this is great. This is exactly what I what I wanted to talk to you about. So
1: oh, cool. So this right here is like the 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 spirit shaman or the the main spirit that's uh, going to be initiating this guy today, <laughs> and uh, you can see like it's kind of like uh, like a bone mask. You see these two things right here are the eyes. You have like a nose kind of thing. There's another mask down here. So it's like this guy might, may or may not have several faces. And then over here, you have the initiate, which is, you can see his his face is all complete. And then over here, it's the same initiate on the other side here. And his face is all distorted and and cut up. And the, the shaman is holding both heads, you know, in his hands like this. Now, what that is, is in all the different shamanic traditions, There's stories of, you know, the process of being initiated into shamanism, and I'm using that term loosely because shamanism really is specific to, like, Siberia and that region, but whether it's a medicine man, shaman, you know, however you want to call it, witch doctor, they all have this theme where, all around the world, where the spirits take you in an ecstatic state, however you get there, and they cut you up into pieces and they remove bones and they take things out of you. And, you know, when they put you back together, they put the different things that would make you, you know, magical or be able to deal with certain things. Like I think the aborigines, like they'll actually put stones. The theory goes that they'll put stones inside your body that help you magically. So that's what this is, you know, and and it's kind of like a, a death and, and rebirth that's in a lot of religions. So you have the, the guy is going in complete He's getting tore up down here, you know, cut up and changed. And then if you look down at the bottom here, he is now a shaman and he's orchestrating it all, which is really cool because it's kind of like a a circular type thing. Yes, the shaman spirits of the ancestors are initiating you, but you're allowing them to be there. And that's kind of what that is right there. And then there's other faces down here that are also spirits you know, ancestor spirits right there. And then right there, that's uh, one of my more recent ones that I start. aside I'm from that. I mean, the, that's, I'm, that's
0: basic. Well, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the painting on your Instagram, which is seven finger studio. And it looks like the, looks like those are, are animals to me. Is that intentional or are they more like masks or are you talking about up, up top here? All three, all three sort all of of the of the distinct faces in the in the sort of totem looking thing.
1: So like in the center here. Yeah, the center, yeah. Of the big
0: white face. The yeah, bottom so one reminded me of an owl.
1: The bottom one, yeah, that's kind of what I was, you know, going for a little bit. You know, the thing is, this is going to sound crazy. When I do my art, like I don't plan on anything. I just oh, cool. my hands my hands starts moving, and I start you know seeing things, and be like, okay, that's what this is. That's what that is. And then as I'm going, you know, if I notice something, then I kind of try to direct it a little bit, but I never start off, you know, completely like, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, it's more like, let my body and mind tell me what I'm going to do, you know, without me really like my unconscious thinking about it. So, I mean, yeah, this is kind of like, I don't know if it's like a dragon, this big center one here. Mm -hmm. It's like some kind of dragon or, you know, whatever you can see, it's got like four horns on the top. It's got like these tusk looking things down at the bottom here. I can't tell you what kind of animal it is or, you know, if it's some kind of fictional creature or whatever, but I mean, a lot of this stuff, I just want to be open to interpretation to an extent, you know, cause there is, this one does have a story. I just don't know it completely.
0: What's your like step-by-step process for painting look like?
1: Pretty much what I do is I, I grab a canvas, I turn it whichever way I think it needs to be. And then I just, I grab by either a pencil or like an acrylic marker, and I just start making shapes, you know, or dots. Like I've been doing this kind of stuff over here lately. Yeah. you know, These are all just circles. And even with these ones, I just go on like, oh, that kind of looks like this one right here. Looked like a chihuahua farting to me.
0: <laughs> so I painted it that oh, way. Oh, uh, I see. Like, I, I saw it as a monkey with diarrhea. It so, could be that too, you know? <laughs> it's
1: like, <laughs> you know, that one was like kind of you know, not as like philosophical or anything like that. That was just sure, yeah. of more more of a fun thing, and that happens sometimes too. You know, but all of them, like this one, me here. That's actually you're familiar with the Bible. That's the story of Golgotha. Yeah, of course. Um, it's Golgotha, exactly. You know, I I did have the intention to do that one because I unintentionally made Golgotha over here at the bottom of this one.
0: Oh, cool, yeah.
1: I didn't do that on purpose. That was the complete. I was just working on it and I'm like, holy shit, that's three crosses. That's Golgotha. Mm-hmm. So then as I was working, I actually was finishing this one while I started working on this one.
0: Yeah, the the intentional, the intentional the intentional Golgotha kind of looks like forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do is sort of the light shining from the cross up to the heavens and then the mercy flowing out of the heavens onto the onto the cross.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's actually a really good way of looking at it. Um, my my way of looking at it is kind of reversed, but it's basically the same thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you remember in Golgotha, Jesus was crucified next to two criminals, two two thieves. Yeah. And one basically told Jesus to go fuck himself, and that guy ended up going to hell. (laughs) And then the other one, you know, repented and said, you know, I I you know I want you to save me, and he went up to heaven with Jesus. You know, Mm -hmm. is kind of what that is. But I mean, the way that you said it, it, it it works just as well that way too, you yeah. know, uh, but that's yeah, what I got is, my, you
0: know? I got my Jesus quotes mixed up, but yeah, that that's basically what I was, what I was driving at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is really cool stuff. So audio only listeners, um, I'm going to put screenshots or pictures of these uh, paintings in the show notes at blackbirdpodcast.com. But I do encourage you to at least watch this segment on the video, uh, whether on YouTube or Odyssey once it's live, cause it's, it's good stuff. You said you've been doing, you've been painting for like six months. Is that right?
1: Yeah, more or less. So like the, all the stuff that I do, like specifically the shapes, like this, like the shaman one and, and that kind of thing. I've been doing that since high school, um, just on paper and with like markers or sometimes it, there'd be no color. But, you know, with the pandemic, I started kind of, you know, not being able to do a lot of things. So I just started picking up all kinds of stuff to like teach myself and to, you know, teach my kids and then also to just pass the time. So I was like, why don't I just start doing this on canvas, you know, with paint? And so far, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> really liking it, you know. I have some other ones that I actually carved on, on plywood that are similar to this and that I painted and everything. But yeah, so it's not that I, it's not that like this is a brand new thing to me, but this is, the, the as far as the medium is concerned, it, it's it's fairly
0: new. That's cool. What, uh, what kind of paint do you use?
1: It's just acrylic. I think the one behind me right here, that's watercolor, uh, which was a mistake, you know, because I I was such a noob as far as like painting goes and I didn't like research anything. I thought I grabbed acrylic and like, as I was working at it, I'm like, this feels different than the paint that I got before. Then I looked, I'm like, Oh, it's fucking watercolor. (laughs) You know? Uh, I mean, I still like it. It turned out pretty good,
0: but yeah. You know, (laughs) a happy mistake as Bob Ross would say. Awesome. Well, so you consider art like a meditative practice for you? Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I'm really big into uh, psychology and you know mythology and mindfulness and all that kind of thing. So I look at these, like, I don't know how familiar you are with um, Carl Jung, but he talks a lot about Mandela's, Mandela's and like, making your subconscious through art. And it kind of dictates, like, like, you can look at things and be like, oh, okay, this is what this is. This is why I'm feeling this way, you know, and this is a picture of it. That's kind of what it is for me. So yes, it is like a, a meditation type thing, but there's a little more to it. It's like when people like record their dreams or something, you know, and then they sit there and they look at their dreams for like what their meanings, what the meaning in the dreams are. Um, so I kind of look at my art like that too. Like, what am I, what is my subconscious trying to tell me or, or show me, you know? But that is definitely a form of meditation. It's con- con- contemplative meditation.
0: Um, you said, you mentioned to me that you've kind of been in the, <clears throat> like, meditation or uh, mindfulness kind of kind of movement, I guess, um, for years, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Probably since I was about 13 or 14. Like oh, I, I really yeah. started, like, listening. Uh, well, at the time, there was no podcasts or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, you know, I, I would go to, like, all the used bookstores I knew in the neighborhood, and I would just grab a book and, uh, you know, read it and then move on to the next one. And, you know, it's started slowly kind of going from like, I didn't know what I was interested in to like, Oh, I saw this part. And like this part of this book talked about this thing. So now I want to learn about that. And then I went and I got all the books that I could think, you know, I could find about that interested in me because there were some that, you know, sometimes titles don't really grab you, even though it's a, a subject you're interested in. It's like, yeah, this, you know, I'll read it if I have to, but you know, this one was more interesting. So I'll do that. And I just kind of started work my way through um, a lot of like the Eastern philosophy and the the mindfulness and that kind of thing Um, with different levels of understanding, you know, from when I was a kid until now, but yeah. Who
0: were some of the, who were some of the people you would read when you were like 13 that to me, I mean, you know, great Gatsby and, and, Catcher in the Rye was like what I was reading back then. And I considered that like deep, you know? Um, <laughs> oh man, Holden Caulfield, he calls everybody a phony. That's so deep. I mean, th- that to me was like fine literature and stuff that I could learn from. But uh, I mean, it really turned me kind of into a jaded nihilist for a while. Um, what What were some of the things that you were reading? <clears throat> um, one of the
1: earliest books I picked up was uh, The Book of the Five Rings by uh me. I can't, I can't remember his name. It's Musashi. Let me see what his name is. Sorry. I'm having a brain fart. Yeah. It's, it's uh Miyamoto Musashi. It's book of the five rings. And it's uh, he was like a swordsman, like supposedly undefeated and like the best swordsman of his time. And he was also like a kind of a philosopher. And uh, that's, that, that was like kind of one of the first books that I read where I was like, yeah, I like this, you know, it talks about um, like nature the nature of things, um, and how to use the nature of things to your benefit. And if you don't, you're going to basically have a really hard time, uh, which then got me into like the Tao Te Ching. I'm really big into the Tao Te Ching. I think that's something that everybody should read. Um, and actually, I don't know, I I feel like a lot of people don't really give the, give it, give that book its due, but it's actually sold. The only book in the history of books that has sold more than the Tao Te Ching is the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how important it is.
0: <laughs> I've I've always uh I've always been kind of intrigued by Taoism, but I've never actually read the Daoijing. Does uh um would you like would you consider yourself a Taoist? I know you're kind of averse to labels like that.
1: But... Um <clears throat> not particular. I mean, you know, it's hard because I, I I appreciate it so much. I wouldn't be upset if I called myself that or if someone else did, you know. Um, but I, I wouldn't call myself a Taoist. Uh, you know. Um, because as far as like, it's, it's not, it's something that I, that I use, it's something that I try to live by, but I don't fully, you know, like I, I, sometimes I think I'm better than nature. (laughs) Oh, I, you know, even though this is what it's telling me to do, I'm going to do the opposite, you know? Um, but I mean, that's what I, that would be whatever any religion you're in, you know, there's no perfect, uh, no perfect specimen is in regards to religions. Were so, you raised
0: in a you raised in a religious family.
1: Oh yeah, big time. I I, I was brought up Catholic. Um yeah. my dad's uncle was a priest. Um my I my dad's uh, aunt was a nun. I was an altar server um in Catholic Catholic church um mm-hmm. and I we used to have we used to have mass at my grandparents' house uh, a lot of times like when cuz my grandparents by your, by your uncle. Yeah, yeah. And wow. you know, we you know one of my, either me or one of my cousins would be like the altar servers. I mean, we would have legitimate mass at my grandparents' house, Catholic mass at my grandparents' house. Not all the time, you know, but uh, enough en- enough to, you know, have it kind of be like a thing that we did. Um, but we all went to church and everything. I'm like super, um, I know right now there's like this whole, you know, Orthodox or Catholicism type thing, um, yeah. which... You know, I'm not getting into that one, but I, I was born and raised <laughs> Catholic and, and uh, I still consider myself uh, Catholic, even though I don't really go to church or anything like
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think Catholicism is almost like Judaism, where it's like an indelible part of your identity rather than necessarily the religion that you believe in. Yeah,
1: especially if you grew up in it. You know, like, I mean, if you grew up in a Catholic church, like really grew up in it, not just like going to church every Sunday. Like you can't take that away from you ever, you know, and like, I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's, I think it's mostly good.
0: Well, and my, my fondest memories from my kind of childhood and teenage years are of youth group uh, at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Plano, Texas. I mean, I would drive, I would drive a half hour or more every week when there was a church right down the street from me. Um, to hang out at the youth group and go to mass. I I was never an altar server, but I was a Eucharistic minister when I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school Mm -hmm. and uh, got, um, which come to find out, I guess Eucharistic ministers is something that like should never have happened anyway. Uh, (laughs) Or or girl altar boys, which um, I guess, you know, I mean, that's from like the, that's sort of from the more conservative branches of Catholicism. But um, once they did start letting girls become altar servers, uh, it seems like things like vocations and stuff like that kind of went downhill. So yeah. I don't know. It's I guess that's sort of inside baseball politics that that we don't need to get into. Um, Fair enough. I'd love to, I'd love to talk more about meditation though. Do you have Do you have like a daily practice?
1: Yeah. So in the morning, um, you know, when I wake up, I come down where I'm i at right now. I call this my workshop. It's my basement, mm-hmm. um, and I start the day with I have like a daily uh, New Testament. Uh, devotional that you know has breaks up. It's like the New Testament in in a year, basically, and every every day has. So I read that, um, which I know probably you're thinking like, well, that's just prayer, <laughs> you know. But that's that's uh, meditation is prayer, you know, uh, if you use it that way. Um, so then I do that. I, I, I read read that. I'll take my notes. You know, sometimes there's a verse I really like, so I have a notebook that I write it down in. Um, I'll write my dreams down after that. Sometimes I'll do my dreams first because you, the, the longer you're awake, the, the less you remember. So I'll, I'll, I'll write my dreams out and then I'll read the, the daily devotional. And then I sit there and I contemplate you know, for 10, 15 minutes, however long I feel necessary. Sometimes it's longer. Um, just what it is that I'm trying to accomplish for the day um, and what kind of energy I want to give to people that I encounter. Um, and then that kind of puts me in a good mood to just sit there and not think of anything, you know, and just let my thoughts wander and then think of whatever it is that comes in, kind of see it floating by and then, you know, put it down when it's gone and then just keep, keep going like that. You know, um, of course this is also while breathing, um, you know, just in and out slowly. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my routine in the morning.
0: Um, so, but you're also a plumber, which, uh, to my, like, I don't know, white collar upbringing, that seems surprising. Uh, but challenging that I, obviously someone who's going to the office all day doesn't really, doesn't really have time for contemplation. They're living like in the future almost mm-hmm. rather than in the moment, um, working with your hands like you do, uh, really does kind of force you to live like right now. Do you see a, a connection between your spiritual practices and your career?
1: Well, I could tell you, I didn't want to be a plumber. <laughs> I didn't grow up being like, oh, I want to be a plumber when I grow up, you know? Um, but I think because of the type of mind that I have, I can use it together. So yes, I mean, like there's times where, you know, if I'm laying under a sink and there's water dripping and it's hitting me in the face and my eyes and my hands are all wet and I can't hold my tools you know, t- tight enough to get, I mean, yeah, you need to, you need to have be in a, of a certain mind frame uh, for you to be successful in <laughs> that scenario, especially Um, whether or not that would be like part of my spirituality or like induced by it. I, I don't know. I think I, I, I think the answer would be yes, but you know, not, not really intentionally. It's just kind of what arises in that situation. You know, it's either you, you know, get frustrated and, and have a hard time with everything, or you kind of submit to it, be uncomfortable and use that uncomfortability to move yourself forward.
0: Cool. Um, so what are, what are some, like, I, I don't know, like I've recently, I've recently come to the conclusion that I am politically on the right. Uh, I've always uh, up until, I mean, I, I've, I was still saying not left, but right, not left, not right, but libertarian, <laughs> Uh, you know, well into, well into 2020. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I still think that there's such a thing as a left libertarian. Uh, but I don't know. I, I would now like admit to myself that I am on the right. Um, do you, have you like noticed anything like that in yourself in the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean,
1: like I said, I, I think when my wife told me that I was a Republican, you yeah. Know, I kind of, well, when, I, I, when was I that? Never, that? Was it, was oh, that recent? was uh, no, that was 20, 2011.
0: Yeah. I Cause ran right for office in 2012.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, since then I kind of always felt like I was on the right, but I still didn't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. I mean, growing up in, you know, where, where I grew up and around the people that I grew up, like it's not something uh, that you can really talk about or that you can even find other, I mean, there are, there's a lot of, there's a lot more right leaning people in Chicago than, than you, you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously not as much as, you know, left leaning, but to say that they're non existent is just incorrect. Um, but I think I I think over the last couple of years, like I'm I'm getting more familiar. I'm getting not familiar, that's the wrong word. I'm getting more comfortable with calling myself that, you know. Sure. And and it's funny because I feel like at no other time in my life, since I was considering myself on the right, would there be more consequence for being comfortable with that thing, you know? So it's kind of like like my my wife is not conservative, like at all. Um, she's not on the right. I mean, I think there's there could be some issues where she would be more right leaning, but definitely she's more left leaning. You know, is she is she like woke though, or
0: is she more?
1: Like- uh, I guess I would say she's. I wouldn't consider her woke, but she's like the things that she's like way more to the left on me than me. She's not a dick about it, you know, like there's just like I think that really has, has a lot to do with, um, you know, the, the problem that we've been having here lately is like not not me and my wife. I'm just talking about like people in general mm-hmm. is that like um, if you're a dick about whatever it is that you're trying to do, you might as well just not even do it, you know. Um, so there's that. Uh, I, I think that as far as as far as being comfortable with it goes, like I'm, I'm happy. To say that now, because I feel, especially now, I feel like more and more people are like, you know what, I don't know what I am, but that ain't it. You know, <laughs> I'm not this authoritarian, you know, tyrannical, government-loving type person. And I think the reasonable people are, are, are starting to kind of realize that like being right-wing is not being a right-wing extremist, <laughs> you know, or like the caricature of what that would look like. Uh, right. And that's so... So I'm 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 again more more comfortable with it, but I'm still kind of like teetering on like yeah, I'm not going to talk about that to certain people, you know, in certain settings.
0: Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess like are your dad and grandpa, if if you know if they're still around, are they are they still voting Democrat? Like I I don't no, know. It seems like
1: no, my dad seems not. to me like. The, my dad's not. My yeah, my grandfather died when I was seven. So but I he was he was i I I'm almost positive he was he was a closet Republican. Sure. Uh because I found like I like Ike uh buttons and stuff like that in his <laughs> in, in his belongings, you know. That's um funny. yeah, it's kind of cool, you know, like they're legit, like old school, uh whatever. But uh, uh my dad, like I think, you know, my dad was my dad's always got my back regardless of what it is that I'm doing. You know, I used to sing in a band. He would go to all my concerts, you know, wherever I played, he'd be there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I played basketball in high school. My dad was always there every game, every game that I had, my dad was there Um, all through grammar school, all through high school, all my, all my basketball games. Um, I started, when I started running for uh, the state rep thing, my dad was still considering himself a, a Democrat and he was still standing on the street corners, you know, getting people to sign my petition to put me on the ballot, you That's know? cool. Um, so, like, you know, but my point in saying all that is, like, he started realizing the stuff that I was telling him wasn't just bullshit. Like, he started seeing, like, because he, again, you know, this is generation. My kids, I have two kids. They're the seventh generation in the city of Chicago in my family, on my dad's side. Like, mm-hmm. we've been... You know we've been in Chicago forever, and even my dad grew up not knowing whether or not what the difference between a a, a Democrat and a Republican was, just that we sure. had to be Democrats so
0: this goes on well, like and, way- the, and the difference, the difference between a Democrat and a Republican kind of varies I mean it varies from you know year to year and from place to place as well. I mean, uh, I grew up in Dallas and, you know, Democrats in Dallas, and Republicans in Dallas are way different from Democrats in Chicago and Democrats and Republicans in Chicago.
1: Oh yeah. You know, I think, (laughs) I think to be honest with you, um, the Democrat or the the Republicans in Chicago are a lot more extreme, uh, Mm -hmm. than they're willing to show, you know, behind closed doors. Like, and I don't mean extreme, like, you know, white supremacist, you know, overthrow the government extreme per se. Um, but like they behind closed doors, like they, they say all the things that you would be happy with as being a right winger. It's when they're out in public that they don't. And this is the same problem that like the, the LP had, you know, during the 2020 election, you know, they were trying to, they, they were trying to, you know, cater to people that didn't fucking care about them and never would care about them. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry.
0: We were talking about the differences between Democrats oh, and Republicans and your dad, specifically. Yeah, so my
1: dad, um, you know, the more he... I, I think he voted for Trump the first time. But then you, you have to look at it, too. Like, a lot of these... A lot of the working-class people, you know, if not... They, they see themselves getting pushed out. Mm-hmm. You know, they see themselves not mattering. And I'm talking about working-class people that are, you know, in unions specifically. Like, the unions, like, they, they're they're like teetering on, on, you know, the, being full-blown woke. And a lot of them are already. Like the Teachers Union in, yeah. in Chicago, like there's no difference between them and any other like extreme left-wing, um, you know, organization. And, uh, but there's a lot of people that, like you said, with the definitions, like that's not what it was to them. And they're slowly like the older people or the people that are like our age that think like we do, are slowly getting eked out of the system. And this is obviously a way for the unions to control the people, you know, and then by, by doing that, they can, you know, the, the government, you know, they're putting the people they want in office, um, you know, through union dues and everything, because like, if you look, the demographics are changing dramatically in a lot of the unions. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, one is better than the other. It's just true. You know, um, a lot of like the, it seems like a lot of like the like the middle class like white people are either becoming poor <laughs> and like out of out of that at, at, uh atmosphere or they're going more towards like the the white collar you know like coding or like you know whatever else sure. they're doing and as a result like a lot of the people that are go, you know now going into the unions are you know, what would be considered minor. I don't even know if minorities is a correct term to say anymore, (laughs) but like that there, you know, it's, it's a lot of like the, the like black and and Latino kind of people that are kind of filling the gaps Mm -hmm. and they're being told that everything is out to get them, you know? So now they're, it's just like one, one uh, like vicious circle where now they're, now they have the, they think they have the power. And I guess technically they do. Um, to like really dictate the way that they want the kids to be taught or that they want the city to be ran. And it's just kind of, I don't know, at this point, I feel like it's fallen apart.
0: Is that, is that trend um, carrying over from the teachers unions to the, to the like plumbing and, and teamsters and stuff like that? Or is it still pretty much relegated to, I mean, you know, education has always been, has always been the a left-wing industry. <clears throat> and by left-wing, I mean, I mean, culturally left, not just sure. economically left.
1: I think it's slowly getting to other trades. You know, I, I still think it's kind of like a company to company, um, union to union basis, you know? Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's heading there. You know, um, there's a lot of people, uh, like before, like I want okay. So I've been a plumber. I've been in the plumbing industry for 18 years. And when I first started, it was like, you know, a lot of Polish people, like legit off the boat, Polish people, um, you know, not very many Latin people, a couple black guys, you know, and it was like, but now it's, it's getting more towards, um, you know, just a, a big group of like everybody, you know, and some of that has to do with, or, and, and some of that brings along with itself, like the, the, like woke kind of ideology. So I wouldn't say that the union itself is, uh, like at the top, but they definitely going to be in the next, I would say, decade.
0: So I guess it's my sort of understanding that the ideology, and I, we keep using the word "woke," and yeah. that's that's not the best word for it, but no. whatever. It, there's not really a better word for it at the moment. Um, so I guess that does make it the best word definition, anyway. Um, it's my understanding, and uh, like, I don't know, man. I I'm I'm gay. I have a lot of trans friends. Uh, so like, I'm I'm kind of in that world, but like the folks that I hang out with like, well, yeah, they are woke. They're not like the leaders. They're not the ones who are creating this ideology. Um, And most of them have their disagreements with it. Um, So I I do wonder, like, given that woke ideology is pretty much driven by, you know, white women in academia, um, some black women as well. And and especially, you know, in, in, in the sort of news media um, industry, I do wonder if at some point, the the like plumbers, for instance, like black plumbers will say, like, no, 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 this this is this is this is a little bit too much. Like, yeah, we would love to, we would love to make the same amount of money as as white people. And fair enough. I mean, you know, the the income disparities among the races is actually real. Yeah. Uh, income disparities among the genders is really not, but <laughs> but uh but um it it feels like at some point normal people in the various demographic uh, groups, will start to see the disparities that this ideology creates, and then and then the pendulum will start to swing back. Are you are you in the same like sort of optimistic outlook there, or would you would you say that no, these people are actually being brainwashed and believing it?
1: Uh, I think it already is swinging back the other way, uh, oh, cool. but I Good. but I do also think that people are being brainwashed just to a lesser yeah. extent, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that the more, the more you ostracize everyone, you know, like you, you, at at first you're like including everyone, right. You want everyone to like, you you want everyone to like gang up on, on the, whatever the enemy is. Mm -hmm. Right. And then as you start getting people and you start gaining, you know, gaining momentum, now you can start throwing people off your own wagon yeah you know and that's what we're seeing right now i think and i think that the, either people are getting thrown off the wagons or they're jumping off themselves cuz they're like this ain't what i signed up yeah. for you know um so i i think that's a good thing you know i i think where where i differ from a lot of like the post libertarians is like i'm not like i am willing to look at the other side and see the utility in some of it you know um like i i don't think that You know, like it's the whole like progressives driving the speed limit thing, right? Like you're not, you're not changing as much as you think you are. And you're especially not going to change things as fast as you think you're going to. Right. So you have to try to work your way around what you already have. And they're not doing that. You know, nobody's really doing that in my, in my estimation, except for the left. You know, they're doing that really well. So we need to like kind of figure out where our battles are and, and, try to win the small ones. And I think we start with um, like the stuff that I do with like meditation. And I have a YouTube channel, but uh, I kind of I locked it down right now because I'm, I'm trying to rebrand and everything. But I'm talking about like meditation and I'm talking about getting yourself right. You know, and I think that's where we need to start. You know, changing, changing all like the, the institutions and everything is great. And I, I think that we should do that. I think it could be done on a scale that would make most people happy. But I think the number one thing we need to focus on is getting people to be right with themselves on an individual yeah. level. You know, cause I, I have this problem where like, Oh, we just need everyone to think the same and, and be the same. Okay. Well, how do you do that? You know, and people have their ideas, but my idea is get everybody to everybody that can get them to be able to put themselves in a mind frame where they can take care of themselves and where they can take care of other people yeah and don't just like it's kind of like and that's why like uh you yeah. know matt erickson and, and those guys that's why like i i do i i, I don't mind being with them because mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what the whole wealth power and influence mm-hmm. thing is exactly. you know? but in order- and it's, also,
0: it's also jordan peterson's like first rule i mean it's you know put, put put your put your house in perfect order before you change the world
1: yeah i mean it's, it's in the
0: bible too if, yeah. if i'm not mistaken you know, where you have
1: to have the, you, you know, you have to clean the, you have to clean the inside of the vessel before keeping the outside of the vessel clean means anything. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I probably butchered that and I don't know what verse it is, but I know it's in there. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're Catholic.
0: is. We're Catholics. We don't know the verses. We just know no. it's there. <laughs> right. Uh,
1: but that's the thing is like, the, that's what I like about them. The, the wealth power and influence type thing is, is a good thing, but mm-hmm what comes before the wealth power and influence the mind frame to get yourself there, you know? And that's, that's, that's why I, I study the meditation and that's why I talk to people about that kind of stuff because that's how you do it, you know? Um, especially in a secular type culture, that's the other thing. Like I, yeah, I'm, I, I consider myself Catholic, even though I don't go to church, like I told you before. Um, but we have to, you know, right now, everybody's like, "Oh, we need to like talk about Jesus, we need to be Orthodox, we need to be Catholic, we need to be whatever." It's like, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but you have to understand that not everybody's there. and not, not everybody not everybody's going to see it that way right away. And some people will never see it that way. But I feel like if you get people thinking a certain way about themselves, that will be the natural progression. But just harping on it. You know, it's like the evangelicals, like there's no difference right now to me. And I know I'm going to probably piss off a lot of my friends for saying this, but you know, the the Orthodox right now, and how evangelical they became about it, is no different than the evangelical Christians that turns a lot of people away. Yeah, it turns a lot of people off. I should say not away. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's wrong to talk about it, but and I understand for like scripture reasons why. You know that should be the the forefront of your, you know, kind of, talking points or whatever. But I, I I don't think it's the right way to go about this day and age, this society that we're in.
0: That's kind of that's kind of been a big difference that I've seen between Matt Erickson and Cyprian is that Matt in his sort of conversion to orthodoxy has been much more like, whoa, look at this shit! I'm I'm discovering this is insane. Like it's got it's almost like an, awestruck, uh, an awe an awe reaction. Um, whereas Cyprian Vin Armani, who I used to follow, my God, I mean, like my partner would make fun of me for how much I talked about Ven Armani and how like just profound I found everything he said. But like when he started, when he started going through the catechumenate, um, he started beating everybody over the head with the like. Uh, how can you possibly still uh, believe what you've always believed? Look at all this stuff that, that, that these people are saying. But the thing is, like, he wouldn't even say, look at all the stuff that these people would, were, are saying. It was more like, look at all this stuff that I'm saying, and I'm right, and you're wrong, and I'm always right. and I can predict the future and all yeah. that stuff. Like, just, just, it's very, very unattractive um, I, to people, exactly. especially people like me who don't like being told what to do. Well, I think that's pretty much
1: everybody in the libertarian camp, you know, I I don't care what side, you know, right, left, center, libertarian. I mean, I think that's why we all kind of gravitated towards that because we don't like being, we don't like being told what to do. You know, I think what, I think one, one, I don't want to talk shit, but Matt Erickson, when he talks about this shit is genuine. Yeah. And I don't think that Cyprian is all the time, you know, and, and. That might be wrong of me and it's definitely not a knock on him, but well, it's the feeling yeah, yeah, I get and, and,
0: because and, and, of the way that he carries himself. And just to be just to be fair, I mean, that's exactly it. That's his personality. I mean, if you've right. if you've watched Gigolos and know what he was up to in like the the um pickup artist community and stuff like that, like putting on a show and persuading people that way uh, through his charisma is how Vin Armani, um and, and now Cyprian, because it's the same person, different name, but whatever. Yeah. Um, that's how he operates. And there are still people who are persuaded by that. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like, he, he's just after a different audience than you and me, I think. Right. Um, I so, got his and, book and, you know, sitting on my bookshelf right here. Like,
1: I, yeah. I, it's, I, I was the same way. Like, when he was taught, I like, there was that, there was, I can't remember. It's been so long ago. He had that series where he was talking about like all this stuff. What? Like, I yeah. think it was like maybe 2017. I
0: can't think of the It name was 2017. It's called the Ascendant series. And the Ascend- yeah. I, I liked that so much that I downloaded the YouTube videos in case they ever like got dropped off or anything like that so that I could like watch it. And I've got just pages and pages and pages of notes on it. Like it's, 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 and, and, you know, that is probably the biggest contribution he's made to my life and my way of seeing the world. I bring it up all the time, that cyclical view of history um, that he's describing there. Um, I, I mean, I brought it, I bring it up on like every other episode of this podcast. And now it's every two episodes in a row that it's been brought Sorry. up. Because it's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually I, man, I think that he's been mentioned more often than any other person on this show, which is so crazy. Cause I mean, like, you know, we could be talking about Dave Smith or Tom Woods or whatever, yeah. but you know, I mean, he really does. He, he is a unique thinker. His, his book, uh, the, the most recent book is render under render Caesar Caesar it's so good. Like, holy shit. Like, I I mean, I read it, I read it in one sitting. I remember I was sitting in a Mexican restaurant and I'm sitting there just like drinking and eating chips and salsa and reading this book and just getting struck by every single chapter. It's so good. But then you see him on Twitter or or whatever. It's like, oh my God, this guy wrote that? Like, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway. Talking about Christianity uh, and leaving out the humility
1: part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, I mean that, that. I guess that is a knock. I'm. Not, I, I. I can't say it's not. But you know, Sorry. I mean, I. I mean it He's because not listening I, I, anyway. Well, even if he does, like, I mean it because I, I. I. I like the guy. I love him. I love listening to him talk. You know, it's just when he gets like the arrogant side of it is like where I where I kind of like you know tune out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Right, and uh, I think
0: go ahead. Well, sort of his his downfall in my mind, I guess, also for me has been personal because right after he was on the show, he kind of wrote a hit piece, not a hit piece, but like just a a piece I kind of slamming that. me in countermarkets. And like, he didn't name me, but it was clearly about me. It was right after he was on the show. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to, it's tough to not take that kind of thing personal, you know? I mean, yeah, I was a baby agorist and I'm not an agorist anymore, but you don't have to, you don't have to like write an article about somebody who's brand new in your way of thinking that you've been, you know, uh part of for years and years. Yeah. I mean, could would he, would he write a, would he write, would he talk shit about someone who's like brand new in orthodoxy? Maybe he would. I mean, I don't well, know. That's
1: what I was just going to say, you know, like he, he went from like, you know, drinking ayahuasca in jungles to being a fucking Orthodox Christian, yeah. Christian, like you, you don't, you, you can't have compassion for someone that, that is at a certain point in their journey, which is like where you were, it was what, you know, where you were at. Like, do you have to be a dick about it?
0: Well, and okay. So, speaking of which, and changing subjects from from Cyprian, yeah. Uh, we so we're in a group chat with um, I don't know, like Adam Patrick and just a whole bunch of people, kind of in that milieu, the milieu that we've been talking about all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have talked at length about psychedelics, uh, mushrooms, and and uh, all that stuff. Uh, do you have experience with that?
1: Yes, yes, I do. Talk about. It.
0: And um, that's something that I'm super interesting interested in. Um, and in hearing sort of the pros and cons of it, cause I've never, I've, like I said, like I always say, I've never done mushrooms, but I'm sort of mushroom curious or just whatever, whatever psychedelic.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've completely like, I've, I've evolved yeah. in some ways since I, you know, since I, I took, took mushrooms for the first time. Um, I had a multiple reasons for it. Um, uh, and I kind of have like knocked those, che- those off the checklist, you know? And now I'm kind of at the point where like, I don't feel like I need to do it anymore. Okay. Um, one of the biggest reasons was I wanted to quit smoking cigarettes. And I was hearing that you could quit smoking cigarettes, that people do quit smoking cigarettes with psilocybin therapy. Hmm. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Because I tried the patch. I tried the gum. I tried the lozenges. I tried like the fake shit that like you inhale, there's nothing there. Like I've tried to quit cold Turkey and none of it works. Like I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, so for me, like, I don't like to take Tylenol if I have a fucking headache. So I'm not going to go to the doctor and be like, Hey, prescribe me some medication to help me quit smoking. You know, that's just not, it's not me. It's not who I am. Like, I'm not going to do that, but I will find mushrooms <laughs> and try yeah, that, <laughs> you know, but that's just kind of like, that's the kind of person I am. You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Cause I was on, uh, I was on No Way Jose like a while ago. I mean, it had to be like one of his first, you know, top 30 episodes. Yeah. And at the time, like he asked me, we were talking about mindfulness and everything. And he asked me like, have you tried like psychedelics? And I didn't, I haven't at the time. I never did. And this was like last year. Year? Well, no, maybe, I don't know when it was, but it was like, it was within a year and a half ago, somewhere like that. And the answer was, no, I try. I haven't tried psychedelics, but I've always been interested in that. You know, I, I read uh, The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley when I was like 13 or 14, 15 years old.
0: Yeah, of course you did. Because you, know, you were reading like that when you were 13 or 14 years old. And I was like,
1: I was like blown away that like this guy could be so eloquent talking about being on a hallucinogen, you huh. know? And I was like, I, I, at that point I was curious, but I grew up in, in a family that was full of alcoholics. And everything, and I was always kind of scared to, to like to try anything. Like I, it, you know, I was sitting outside of AA meetings, listening to all the horror stories that everyone had. And like I've been around drug addicts my whole life, and this kind of thing. So I was always like, "Well, I can't do that because of what these guys said." You know, the older I got, the more I started, you know, kind of still thinking about it, and it never, like, it never went away. Like I want to try it at least once in my life, but I didn't know like. Should I try DMT? Should I try try acid? Should I, you know, like what? I settled upon mushrooms because it's something that grows naturally. Right. It's kind of like I'm. It's funny because like I have some right wing beliefs, and I'm like a super fucking hippie with a lot of stuff,
0: (laughs) you know, and like natural medicine
1: is kind of one of them.
0: You're uh, there's a there's a book by Rod Dreher who's awful on everything, but uh, he he calls it Crunchy Cons. Um, (laughs) He wrote it back in the early 2000s when granola was sort of the 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 word that you called liberals they're 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 just they're just crunchy and granola hippies or whatever but like <laughs> you know there's a whole there's a whole movement in in conservatism that uh, are exactly like them except they have conservative beliefs rather than yeah that's right. crazy yeah. so
1: then i started like i'm gonna have to check that book out actually i'd, I'd, I'd like to see that um so i started kind of researching like what's the best way to go about it like how much and like you know probably all the things that you would do if you're interested in it like you know reading all the websites talking to anybody you can about it i know you had mike brancatelli on here to talk to him about it i love that guy like i i i you know obviously i was in the part of the problem inner circle like i was i was listening to to dave smith when mike was still on part of the problem is when i first started listening Mm -hmm. you know or actually jess sager was on i think um uh, still on with him, but anyway, um, so like I started, I, I I really got into like okay, I want to quit smoking, and I hear this is the best way that or one of the best ways that you can do it, and so I got a hold of some and I tried it, and uh, you know to to this day, I've been I, I you know I I quit smoking for six months, cold turkey stopped, you know, and it's because of my experience while I was on mushrooms Mm -hmm. solely for that reason. like, I, I could go into details with you on that, but um, you know, the other thing was like, I want to experience, like I'm really, since I'm really into meditation, I'm really into like psychology and everything. I'm in in mythologies and religions and this kind of thing. I wanted to see what that side of my mind would give me while I was on mushrooms. Like I, I didn't want to, I wouldn't call it like a spiritual endeavor, but maybe it was, you know, Um, being, Growing up, how I grew up, like it's kind of hard for me to, you know, say that uh, it was anything, you know, s- like spiritual, aside from like God and Jesus kind of thing, you know. Uh, but it really necessarily wasn't, you know, because I feel like, especially now having done them, like I'm not, I, I, I never had a question in my mind about whether or not they were existent beings, entities, however you want to call them. And now I really know they're not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of the things, like I wanted to. Kind of experience what reality really is. Um, I will say, and I wanted to clear things up too, with like you know certain aspects of my my life that I, I needed clarity on, and I was you know told that I could really dig deep personally and and figure stuff out, you know <clears throat> on mushrooms. Uh, so there was a bunch of reasons why I wanted to, and and all of those kind of came through. Now, when I first started, the first couple times i start i I took mushrooms, I would have told you, absolutely take them. You know, you need to. Now, uh, I would say I would be hesitant to tell anybody to do that. Um, And the reason is because if you're not prepared mentally, uh, definitely don't take any kind of Mm. psychedelic. Um, Like if you have anything that you want to work out, like things you don't like about yourself or like if you have like traumatic shit in the past you don't like to think about, like that'll come out. 100% in the forefront of your mind and you won't be able to escape it until you deal with it however you need to deal with it in your mind now i don't know if everybody's mentally strong enough to be able to handle something like that mm-hmm. you know um i don't even know that i am having done it as many times as i've done it um i think i am you know but sometimes like i i, I do kind of get like a sense like a little like i get a little freaked out sometimes you know, where I, where I think about like, oh shit, I thought about that when I was on mushrooms. Now I'm not on mushrooms and I'm still thinking about it and it's still <laughs> making me feel the same way, you yeah. know? Um, I would say it's a net positive. Um, but I think that like, I think you definitely need someone that's experienced to kind of like walk you through or to be either either someone that's experienced or someone that you care deeply about mm-hmm. to be with you, you know, while you're, while you're doing it so that they can yeah. kind of walk you through it and everything. The like first... Trips. Right. The first, like, I don't know, I think six times I took mushrooms, I did it completely by myself. Mm. And uh, because I was sure that I could handle it, you know, and I did. Um, But each time it got harder and harder to be by myself about it because you just, like I said, you you know, things come up whether or not you want them to, and you have to deal with them. And if you don't deal with them uh, the way that you ought to and with full, complete honesty with yourself. That's the other thing. Like you can't lie to yourself on mushrooms. You know, like I wanted to quit smoking. Right. And, uh, uh basically like I, I was and I saw zombies and they were like, they were, what I realized is that they were people that died of all the various ways that you can smoke, die of smoking, cancer, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever diseases you can get from smoking. And they told me, that if I don't stop smoking, I will eventually be one of them. And it's it's so crazy to... Like, if you've not done it, it's hard to explain how real the hallucinations are. Where you almost think that it's not real. Or that it that it is 100% real. That it's not just a hallucination. Um, like, I felt the coldness of them on me. You know, I felt... <laughs> Like, I could see them like I was st- sitting here. Like, if you were in the room with me right now, that's how I saw them. I could have reached out and touched them. Um, you know, that's, that's what really made me want to quit. I was like, holy shit, man, these guys, you know, but, but what I'm saying is I was trying to, like, you know, in my head, I'm like, I need to go smoke a cigarette right now. This is, like, too much <laughs> stress for me. You know, like, I'm fucked yeah. up. You know, I, I'm, I need to go smoke. And I, I was like, I, they're like, oh, you need to quit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll quit, you know but I knew that they knew that I wouldn't quit, you know? And it was like giving me this like severe anxiety. And uh, I was having this party for my mom's, uh, my mom's kind of young. My my mom just turned 60. um, So, and I had her birthday party at my house that weekend. And I was like, okay, look, I'll, quit after the party because I don't want to like just stop right now. Because if I stop right now, I'm going to be all cranky and everyone's going to have a shit time mm-hmm. at the party. But blah, blah, blah. I'm like sitting here, whether or not they were actually sitting there with me, like I'm sitting there like telling them like, look, look, I'll quit. I pro- I really will. And I did, I did. Um, but they went away once they realized when I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it after the party. That was good enough for them because it, I was sincere. I meant it and I did it. Um, and then, and then they went away. Uh, it's that kind of thing that I don't know. Like that, that's kind of mild, you know. Like I could see some people being afraid of that, and then other people being like, "Oh, that's not a, scary at all," you yeah. know. Um, until you see it yourself, then then you'll know one way or another what it is for you. And that's you know that's, but I mean it's it's things like that. You cannot lie. You have to be a hundred percent honest. And then <clears throat> all the like, because I, I did have a few bad trips. I would I wouldn't call that one of them, but at the time it was. Um, Like bad trips are the best trips because you actually, that's, that's what makes you be the change that you, or, you know, enact the change that you want to see in yourself.
0: That's what, uh, sorry. That's what the, like, God, I think I probably had three or four in addition to, in addition to Mike. Um, if not like this is going to be an episode about psychedelics, then at least they've come up. Um, and that's what everybody says. The, the bad trips, so-called bad trips are really the ones that um, are the most impactful. Um, yeah, I think for me, like, I don't know, man. I I, <laughs> What made me quit smoking was getting into a relationship with someone who's grossed out by smoking. I mean, it was pretty much that easy. Like, I just I haven't, uh, I think, I smoked a couple of times with my sister, uh, and also Andrew would like split the cigarette with me basically, um, which is probably corrupting him, but whatever. Uh, yeah. but, uh, otherwise like I, you know, I'll get a craving every so often, but for me, it's like my like deepest desire is to cut the bullshit and actually follow the wealth, power, and influence kind of model, the clean your room kind of model—that you know, just all of these people whose whose way of being I admire so much, Jordan Peterson and, and Jason Stapleton and and all that. Um, but you know, w- what gives me pause is that like Mike did his did his pilgrimage um, and immediately came back and quit his job. And I'm like, I'm terrified to quit my job. I've got debt, man. Like yeah. I I, can't, I I I can't I, like this is all the stuff that is total mental blocks, but also it's like reality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, if I quit my job today, I'm not going to be uh, uh, replacing my income tomorrow. Um, yeah. And I have bills to pay. So that's the, that's the kind of thing that, that kind of scares me about this and probably why I'm not ready to do it. Yeah. Do you, like, what do you think about that? Um,
1: I would say whatever decisions you, you think that you made when you're on mushrooms, uh, give it a few days, <laughs> you know, because you're, cause it's like, once, once you're, once you're not, you know, tripping anymore, you still, you're still in this like very like kind of contemplating reality or whatever it is that you, whatever it is that you kind of work through, like you, it's, it's there's like an afterglow. You're not tripping anymore, but you're still kind of in this state of mind uh, where you're having all these kinds of thoughts about, you know, what, what, which way you should turn, like, okay, I I learned this in, you know, through my experience, but is it, is, is it something that's, that I should really do right now? Or should I plan on it? Like, should I start the ball rolling? You know, I think for Mike, like, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, I, I would, I would assume that like he was in the, he was in, he gave it some thought more than, more than it appeared. (laughs) You know what I mean? uh, yeah, he come back and quit his job, but like, what was the thought process behind it? What did he learn? Um, like his experience was his experience. So I can't, I can't say, I think it was a good thing for him, but like, I can't say what the, what the actual logical aspect of it was, you know, maybe he saw something that he knew like he'd be all right. Cause that's the thing. Like you really get a sense, like if you have an intention before your trip, and not just do it like recreationally, I would definitely not recommend doing doing them recreationally. I don't think, I don't know. I've never done them recreationally, but I would think that like, if you have a good intention prior to it, like you'll be happy with the result. And, you know, I, I think you're not going to quit your job if you shouldn't quit your job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like, you don't have that much of a control. It doesn't have that much of a control where like, you're going to do that. You know, I think maybe Mike was already kind of, uh, knowing what I know about the experiences that I have, I could fathom an instance where he was already thinking about it without saying anything to anybody and yeah. then, you know, had his experience and said, yes, this is, this is the route that I need to take. Um, so I can't tell you, you're not going to quit your job, but I, I, I don't think you, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know what your experience is. I don't yeah. know what your motivations are. Uh, I don't know what your, what your experience will be. So it's very hard for me to answer that, but I, I, I would think you know, the logical person that you are, um, you won't just, you won't do something that drastic.
0: Okay, good. Well, that'll some of my fears, I guess. Um, not to say that I'm going to go figure out how to find shrooms tomorrow, but, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I think the more conversations I have about that, the better, because it's definitely something that, uh, has been on my mind for like a year or so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. So we're kind of winding it down. Um, I did, I did want to know, uh, So why is your art Instagram seven finger studio? What does that mean? (laughs) So I, uh, what was it? Two, three years
1: ago, I had an injury at work where uh, I I almost ripped off my finger. (laughs) And uh, I really started, it's good now I can move it. And I didn't lose it. Um, But it was was a bad injury where I, I couldn't use my hands like I normally do. Um, it was driving me nuts because I'm always a hands-on. Like I, I, use my hands for everything. You know, I teach my kids how to fix things, and you know, my whole life is is with my hands. Um, and then I got to this point where I couldn't use one of them. <laughs> you know, thankfully I'm a lefty, so it wasn't like the worst thing ever. Um, I'm talking hand-wise. I'm I'm left-handed. <laughs> uh, But I I was going crazy. Like I couldn't work any, I couldn't work for the for the moment. And I was going crazy not being able to do stuff. So I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start building shit. You know, and I started built like I built like all kinds of planner boxes. I started doing like all this kind of art stuff. I started like teaching myself how to crochet just to get my my strength back in the thing. But for a while I was only using these seven fingers. So I call it Seven Finger Studio because I had seven fingers at the time that I started doing all this stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah. I, I love that you, that you, so first of all, obviously the fact that you became a plumber and also our um, borderline Taoist is probably not a coincidence. I mean, that the, like when you think of Taoism, the, 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 if you know anything about it, the metaphor that comes to mind is water. I mean, that's yeah. just kind of the thing. Um, so I think that's really cool. But then um the, the focus on using your hands, like that's your Twitter bio. I use my hands to feed my family. Um, I just, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Like it's, you seem like a very kind of holistic person, uh, just try, in general.
1: I try to be, and I appreciate you saying so. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Well, why don't, why don't you go ahead and plug, uh, plug whatever you want to plug. Um, I tried to click one of your YouTube videos, but it says it's private. So like you said, yeah. it's private. but, um, you know, if you have anything to link to or anything like that,
1: yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Uh like I said, I'm nope. kind of going through a phase right now where I wanna my videos are really <laughs> shitty. I could do them better. Um, Me too. I, and, I, uh I uh,
0: I finally figured I finally figured out how to how to focus on your camera. Um so I just kind of left you as the only thing on the screen for a while while yeah. I was talking and stuff. It's- <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's both be works in progress when it comes to video, huh?
1: That's my other part of my bio is always a work in progress. Yeah. Um, I know. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much am only on Twitter and that's the at John underscore Hartman, J O N underscore H A R T M A N N. Um, and then my seven fingers studio on Instagram. Uh, I will be going back. I will be using that YouTube channel again. It's called mind your business with John Hartman um it's going to be talking more about like the the mindfulness meditation uh maybe metaphysical type stuff uh i just uh, i want to give it the time that it deserves like i i don't like to half ass shit and i was half assing those videos so um i made them private <laughs> cuz i didn't want to delete them and i might use them in the future i might cut them up and you know actually use parts of them elsewhere uh because the content what i was saying was good it was just not not what it should have been and i was you know kind of at the point where I'm like, yeah, fuck that. So Mind Your Business with John Hartman on YouTube will eventually be there.
0: Uh, there. So I just found it. I'll link to it. Um, and folks should definitely hit subscribe. And when the videos start flowing, then you'll be able to watch them. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for spending some time with me this morning. Uh, I will let you get back to your family All and right. talk to you in one of the various and sundry ways that we're constantly talking to one another. It's you been it. great getting to know you over the last couple of years. And I really
1: appreciate it. Same. You're one of my favorite people on Twitter and on all the cool. groups. And
0: cool. even at the part of the problem inner circle, you're one of my favorites. Awesome. Thanks, John. Talk to you soon. See you later. Thanks for checking out this episode of Blackbird. If you like what you heard today, be sure you're subscribed on your podcatcher of choice. You can find me anywhere by searching Blackbird with James Gentleman. Follow me on Twitter at JamesLJ. My DMs are always open. So if you have feedback, ideas, or have something interesting to say and would like to appear on Blackbird, just drop me a line there. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to all my interviews, plus plenty of bonus content, head over to blackbirdpodcast.com. Toss me $7 a month or $70 a year, and I'll get you all set up. You can also find me on Odyssey, where I'm posting the video of my interviews. Just search for Blackbird there or click the link in the show notes. And finally, if you haven't already, please leave me a rating and a review over at iTunes. It really helps the show. Thanks again for listening to Blackbird. And until next time, live free.